Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5. This morning, I want to talk about what it means to be a friend of God. And that song, I didn't even know what song she was singing. She didn't know what I was preaching. But the Holy Ghost does. Amen? Hallelujah. He lines everything up perfectly. He'll line your life up right if you listen to him. Amen? This message is entitled, Friend of God. What does it mean to be a friend of God? You know, in James 2.23, Abraham is called a friend of God. God is no respecter of persons. Scripture says that. If Abraham was a friend of God, we have that same opportunity. Can you say amen to that? You know, we throw the words around friend and friendship around very loosely. But friendship is not a shallow word. Friendship is not, uh, is not a shallow concept. It implies a closeness, an intimacy in, in a relationship. Now, I know a lot of people, and you probably know a lot of people. But everyone I know, everyone you know, is not our friend. Can you say amen to that? <laughs> we know a lot of people. They might be acquaintances, but not a friend. And I want to set the record straight right now. Everybody who calls themselves a Christian is not necessarily a friend of God. Everyone who calls themselves a Christian is not a friend of God. I believe that there are very few Christians on this earth that are at the friendship level with God. I, I, honest, I truly believe that. Now, they're out there, but I think they're few and far between right now. I think most Christians are at the acquaintance level. Yeah, they know God. They know who he is. And once in a while, they'll throw up a prayer and if they need something. But that's as far as it goes. I am talking about our responsibility toward God. How many of you know God is always faithful to us? But in a friendship, it's a two-way street. It's never a one-way thing with God when you're talking about uh, a friendship or with anyone else. It takes sacrifice, sacrificing your time, everything you have to be invested in your friendship, in your relationship with God. You know, Deuteronomy 5.29, I'm looking at verse 29 here. Listen to this. This is God speaking now, our Creator. Oh, that there were such a heart in them that they would fear me or honor me and keep all of my commandments always that it might be well with them and with their children forever. God is so willing to bless you and I. But the real question today is, are you willing to bless him? Are you willing to? To bless him. You know, when I hear the phrase, God bless America, my heart gets heavy. Now, you might think that's kind of strange. What do you mean, God bless America? What do you mean your heart gets heavy? Because I sense the Holy Ghost grieving over this country. How is God supposed to bless a country that kicked him out of government in schools and replaced it with Harry Potter in the schools? How is God supposed to bless a country where it's legal to murder his creation, the unborn? 
How is God supposed to bless a country that's so steeped in perversion that they're marrying men with men and women with women? Or rewarding people. The IRS rewards people. They give them tax write-offs. You can write, you know, you can write a check to the Church of Satan or Witchcraft Church and get a tax write-off. How is God supposed to bless a country that's doing that? The true phrase should be, America, bless God. Amen? Now, I know in this country we have an abundance of money, an abundance of food, and all of these things. But you know what? Sometimes the things that were blessings turn into a curse. Sometimes the very thing that started off as a blessing turns into a curse. Now, what do I mean by that? Sometimes the abundance that we have keeps us away from God, and it becomes an idol in our life. The thing that was meant to be a blessing has now turned into an idol in your life. And uh, this happened to the church at Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3, verse 17. Remember where Jesus is, is referring to the seven churches. And the church at Laodicea, they had all these goods, they, they had money, they had all this. And they said, basically, what do I need God for? I, I have everything that I need. They were deceived by their senses. And Jesus goes on to say, well, you have all that. He goes, little do you know that you're poor, you're naked, and you're wretched. They totally neglected their spiritual life. The thing that once was a blessing or meant to be a blessing turned into a curse because they made it that way. They made it that way. They took God off the throne of their hearts and put physical possessions in their place. See, a true friend of God will feel what God feels about situations and things. The word of God says, he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. It's talking about unity in that verse. There is unity in friendship. How many of you know, think about a good friend you had in high school or a good friend now. How many of you know you guys share common interests, don't you? And when they hurt, you hurt. When you hurt, they hurt. It's a friendship. It's an intimate relationship. Well, God created us to fellowship with him. God longs for our fellowship, our communication, our partnership with him on this earth. I'm talking about this morning about being a friend of God, not an acquaintance. Not just knowing who he is, but knowing him. That's what I'm talking about. God's desire is to have you and I and all the people of this earth enter into a meaningful relationship with him. And of course, that can only happen. Let me tell you, the starting point is making Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. Amen. Okay? You can't say that you know God and neglect Jesus Christ. It just won't happen. Jesus is the door to our Heavenly Father. Can you say amen to that? You see, God's desire for that communication, that partnership, caused him to start a bush on fire to get Moses' attention in the wilderness. Remember the burning bush? Moses could have 
just kept on walking and forget about it. But as John Bevere talked about on Wednesday night, when Moses stopped and he looked aside, he got off of his own course and looked and seen what God was doing. Then God spoke to him. I think there's some burning bushes this morning with this message. God's trying to get our attention. He's saying it's time to go from head knowledge. Let's get to heart knowledge now. Know me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's desire for relationship with mankind was so great that he sent his most prized possession from heaven. His son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about this. To come down to a hell-bent world that was cursing him. But he still sent his son Jesus to this hell-bent world to redeem mankind from death, from separation from him. While, the Bible says, while we were yet sinners. Hallelujah. God is searching this earth looking for faithful believers who have set him on the throne of their hearts. And as Christians, until you and I get to that point in our walk with God... We will have what I call a holy dissatisfaction in our hearts, in our spirit. A holy dissatisfaction. Because our purpose on this earth is to walk closely and intimate with our Heavenly Father, with our Creator. That's our purpose. Until we do that, we will be living at the same level as the world Constantly trying to fill that void in our life with worldly things. Which is called idolatry, by the way. When we try to fill that void with something other than a relationship with our Heavenly Father, that's called idolatry. When we take God out of the priority seat and replace Him with something else. You know, James 4.4 says this, that to be a friend of the world is to be an enemy of God. Notice you can't have both. You can't have what what we say, you can't have your cake and eat it too. (laughs) God has to be the priority of your life. And no wonder we have so many miserable Christians walking around this earth because they're trying to fill the void with something else. They're trying to put a a square where a circle is supposed to be. You ever play those kid games? You're trying to put the shape in there. People are trying to fill it with the wrong thing. So today I want to give you some more keys on what it means to be a friend with God. To be a friend of God means that you are obedient to his commands. Go to John 15. John 15. And I'm going to be looking at verse 14 here. To be a friend of God means that you are obedient to his commands. That simple. John 15, verse 14. Now, I want you to notice, for those of you who don't know, the words, if you have a red letter edition Bible, the words are in red. That means that Jesus is doing the speaking there. That's what it means, the red letter edition. Where you see red words, that means Jesus is doing the speaking, for those who don't know. It says this, Jesus said this, you are my friends If you do whatever I command you, notice you're my friends if. He's talking to Christians here. He's not talking to the world. How many of you know that? 
The world is outside of the covenant. If you haven't made Jesus Christ the Lord of your, of your life, you're outside of the covenant. And the Bible calls you a child of the devil because of that sin nature that's on the inside. And only the blood of Jesus, when you make him Lord of your life, is that sin nature, nature washed away. Then you're a child of God. But notice that one word, you know, one word can change the whole meaning of a scripture, can it? That word, if. You are my friends, if. You do whatsoever I command you. In James chapter 2 calls Abraham a friend of God. Did you know it's referring to his faith and works? It's referring to his faith and works. James chapter 2 says that faith for the Christian now. I'm talking to the Christian right now. James chapter 2 says faith without works is dead. Faith without works, in other words, is incomplete. And so, so someone can say, oh yeah, I believe God, I believe God, and you know, their actions prove otherwise. They're going off to the bar, they're doing this. Okay, well, come on now. There has to be corresponding works with your faith. So if faith without works is dead, that must mean when you have faith and works together, it's alive. You have living faith. Or as verse 22 in James 2, it says, perfect faith. Now, don't let that word perfect throw you off. All that word perfect means is complete. That's what it means. It's complete. So when you have faith and works, it's complete. Now, did you know that you can confess uh, that you know God with your mouth, but that your actions or your works, you can deny him? Go to... Uh, Go to Titus 1.6. I want to show you something here. All right. Titus 1.16. Someone who's a believer. Okay, they believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. They confess that. Yes, I know Jesus is my Lord and Savior. But then, you know, they're out, you know, living like the devil. They're telling dirty jokes or they're promoting the works of the devil. Let's just tell it like it is, right? When you're doing that stuff, when your actions aren't lined up with your words, you're just promoting Satan's kingdom. That's called a traitor, isn't it? How many of you know if I went to Iraq and I said, yeah, I'm an American, I'm an American, and then I go and I side with the enemy, I'm a traitor, right? Same thing in the spiritual. Titus 1.16, look at this. He's talking about believers here now. It says, they profess that they know God, but in works... They deny him, being abominable, abominable and disobedient unto every good work reprobate. So it's saying, you know what? Basically, in a nutshell, I'm going to say this. It says that talk is cheap. Oh, come on now. It's saying talk is cheap. It's saying if you're truly a believer, if you're truly a friend of God, your actions are going to line up with your words. Say amen. amen. Now, an example of churches, come on, who profess Jesus as Lord, yet they put, their they put their approval on homosexuality, abortion, and other unscriptural and demonic beliefs. How many of you know there's denominations out there? There's churches who call themselves Christian churches, and they're believing this junk. They think it's all right. Marry man with man, woman with woman. Abortion is just 
Free choice. Give me a break. They are denying Jesus Christ by their actions. Amen. That is why the word of God tells us Christians in 2 Corinthians 6, 17. It says to come out from among them. From who? The world system. See, the world thinks it's okay for free choice and, you know, pro-choice. And, and, hey, if someone wants to marry, you know, the same sex, let them do it. You know, no morality at all. Jesus says, or God says, come out from among them. Come out from that evil world system. Because that evil world system, Satan is the God of that world. Satan is the God of that kingdom. It's pretty ironic. It's sad when we have people who call themselves Christians buying into the junk of Satan. Amen. Amen. I'm going to stand up against it as a pastor in this area too. I'm not going to let that slide by like some do. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So God is talking to Christians in that verse to come out from among them. And then it says, God will receive us. When we separate ourselves from the world, it then makes us eligible to be a friend of God. When we come out from that system, let me say it again, us as Christians, we are then eligible to become friends of God, to go deeper in a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, in uh, Revelation 2.23, turn there if you want, way at the end of the Bible, last book. Revelation 2, uh, 2, verse 23, and I'm going to pull out just the second part of 23 here. The words are in red, so Jesus is doing the talking again. You know, we got to listen up. We got to listen to the word of God, don't we? Amen. Listen to this. Jesus said, I am he who searches the reins and hearts And I will give unto every one of you according to your works. Now, God is searching our heart and our reins. Now, our reins are those things in our life that influence us. How many of you know when you have a horse? I'm not a horse expert or anything like that. But there's reins, isn't there? You pull back, it slows them down. You know, yeah. Hit them, and the horse is going to go quicker. Well, the reins Jesus is talking about, he says, I'm searching out what things have influence in your life. What things are you holding back on? What things motivate you? Does my word motivate you? Or does the world motivate you? So Jesus Christ is searching our hearts. He's seeing if truly he's king of your heart. He's seeing if he's truly Lord of your life. And what motivates you? What influences you today? That's the question. Or like a sermon I did a while back, remember this one? What moves you? What moves you? That's what he's looking at this morning. See, we are to be separated from the world so we can go toward God. And uh, next point here I want to bring up is to be a friend of God means that you know him intimately and you trust him. Talking to Christians right now. 
Well, what do you mean, Pastor James? You mean some Christians don't trust him? That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying. Many Christians don't trust him. They can, they, they, this is what boggles my mind now. They trust them that when they take their last breath, their spirit's going to shoot out of their shell, their physical body, and they're going to live in eternity for heaven. But boy, when it comes to a financial problem, when it comes to a, a, another problem in their life, boy, they can't trust God at all. Figure that one out. It is not possible. It's not possible to know God that close, to know him intimately apart from his word. You cannot be, have an intimate, meaningful relationship with God apart from the word of God, apart from knowing the word of God. Because it's the word of God that tells us about his character. It's the word of God that tells us about his integrity. It's the word of God that tells us that he cannot lie. If you don't know that, you're not going to be able to trust him. And you're not going to be able to have a meaningful relationship with him. It means that you will know him good enough not to insult his character by blaming him for the storms in your life. Oh boy, let me say that again. It means being a friend of God means that you know him good enough not to insult his character by blaming him for the storms that come into your life. How many of you know the word says that God is a good God and in him is no darkness at all? And Jesus said, it's the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I've come to give life. It's black and white, people. But you won't know that apart from the word. You won't know that apart from the word of God. It's crucial that we know and read and feed on the word of God. Amen. You know, more often than not, we are the ones that open the door up to the enemy for the storms in our life. Either it's just a dirty attack by the enemy or there's an open doorway. It's one or the other. It's not sent from God. You know, many Christians are two-faced. What, uh, what if I went up to you acting like your friend and then I came up and called you a child abuser? Amen? What if I, I you know, I'm talking about Christians who are two-faced now. What if I, I went up to someone here and you know, I act like your friend all the time, and then I, when I walk away, I'm calling you a child abuser. Two-faced. Would it grieve you if I did that? Well, it would. Would a friend do that to you? No. But it happens all the time in the body of Christ. They talk about God like he's their best friend, and then the next breath, they're accusing him of putting sickness and disease on them. Come on now. I'm telling the truth this morning. See, but the problem is, is ignorance. They don't know him intimately. Why? Because they don't know his word. They don't know what the word says. They don't know that Jesus took stripes on his back for your healing. They don't know that in Galatians 3.13 it says that Christ came to redeem us from the curse of the law. Which includes sickness and disease, poverty, bondage. And come out to the healing meetings, by the way. We're going to have a good old time. Amen? Amen? Now, to be a friend of God means that, come on, God can trust you. Not only do you got to trust God, but it's a two-way street. God has to trust you. Go to John 15, 15 here. Hallelujah. I'm 
fired up this morning. I love the word. It's powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Now, what Hebrews 4.12 says, to be a friend of God means that God can trust you. Look at John 15, 15. This is Jesus doing the speaking again. It says, okay, verse 14, let me start at. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth, or from this time forth, I call you not servants, for the servant knows not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. You see, when you have that intimate relationship with God, when you're truly a friend of God, you can be trusted with more information from the Lord. God can reveal more of himself, more of his truths to you. It means that you won't cast the pearl before the swine, as the Bible says. It means when the Holy Ghost gives you a word of knowledge about a person, you won't start gossiping about it. Come on now. I'm talking about being a friend of God. I'm talking about the Holy Ghost. If he can trust you, if the Lord can trust you, he'll trust you with more knowledge. Can the Holy Ghost show you that such and such is in bondage to pornography without you going out and picking up the phone saying, hey, I got a prayer request. Such and such is in bondage to pornography. Oh, oh that's a popular one in the body of Christ for, for gossip, isn't it? <laughs> got a prayer request for you. Oh, my, my, my. If you want to shut the Holy Ghost up in your life, go ahead and start gossiping. He will, kick, he, he will shut you off from any more revelation quicker than anything. Amen? Amen? Now, to be a friend of God also means that your heart is transparent. It means that your heart is transparent. And you know what? David understood this truth. David didn't hide anything from the Lord. He knew that his life was an open book. That's why the word says, He that covers his sins shall not prosper. But he who confesses or acknowledges, yeah, I've sinned, he shall prosper. He that confesses and forsakes. Your life is an open book. Why do so many people, when they have trouble, they push God away? When the very time at that point is to draw closer to him. Come on, he's not going to kick you out. Jesus said, if you come unto me, I will in no wise cast you out. But I will receive you, he said. Quit hiding the things of your past. I got a secret for you. God knows about those things anyways. But he wants you and I to acknowledge it. He wants us to acknowledge that, yes, I've fallen short. I can't live this life on my own. I need your help. And that's what I'm talking about, being transparent. David would pour out his heart to God, not just some religious babble. He didn't pull out a rosary and start praying the rosary. Hallelujah. It wasn't religious babble, but he poured out his heart with all the emotion he had. Hallelujah. And when you get to that point, there is such a freedom. The presence of God just saturates your life. That's why it's so important to get alone with God. Go into your closet. Go on walks and just pour out your heart of the most intimate things that are on your heart. Pour it out to him. And he'll pour it out over you. Amen? The anointing. 
Hallelujah. But a, so a true friend will always draw close to God in the hard times, not draw away from him. Hallelujah. And a true friend of God will defend God. Remember David and Goliath? Remember when Goliath came and was speaking against God? And David came right back and said, you're talking about the most high God. You're not going to defy him like that. Amen. Come on now. If, if I have a friend and someone's bad talking me and they don't say anything, in fact, they might join in on it. They're no friend of mine. They're no friend of yours. To be a friend of God means you're going to stand for righteousness. Hallelujah. We need to stand up for righteousness, especially on this dark earth. Amen. Let your light shine. Hallelujah. Now, my last point here. It is impossible to be a friend of God if you grieve the Holy Spirit by neglecting his ministry. Oh, come on now. Let me say that one more time. It is impossible to be a friend of God if you grieve the Holy Spirit by neglecting the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Come on, don't expect to be a friend of mine if you're going to treat my wife and family members like they don't exist. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. A lot of churches are leaving out the Holy Ghost. Come on now, don't. You can't be a friend of God if you're going to leave out the Holy Ghost. I got a secret for you. The Holy Ghost is the only part of the Godhead on this earth right now so why are there so many dead churches around this world because they neglect the one part of the trinity that's here ready to endue them with power and that's why we so many see so many weak christians <laughs> god didn't intend for it to be like that you cannot be a friend of god if you neglect the ministry of the holy ghost because he's the only one here to help you right now. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Our Heavenly Father and Jesus are up in heaven right now. Holy Ghost is on this earth right now. 1 Corinthians 2. Hallelujah. First Corinth, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, 1 Corinthians Two, verse 4 and 5. Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost here, says, And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Verse 5. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul knew that he wasn't going to get the job done with his natural mind. He wasn't going to get the job done in his own strength. He said that he, his preaching was in demonstration of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and power. Which tells me this. The Holy Ghost wants to demonstrate his power in our midst. And a friend of God will allow him to do it. A friend of God will give liberty to the Holy Ghost to do it, to demonstrate himself. 
to glorify Jesus with the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen? Now listen to this. I want to close with this one thing here. This was so powerful. As I was writing this message, oh, I want you to take hold of this revelation here. In the Old Testament, when a sacrifice was put on the altar, there were times when the fire of God would come down on the sacrifice and consume it. You know what I'm talking about? When the fire of God would come down upon the altar and consume the sacrifice. Well, the Lord spoke to me yesterday. He said this, if my people would offer themselves as a living sacrifice on my altar for my purposes and use, the fire of the Holy Spirit would be upon them in a greater dimension. The fire of God would come down and be upon them. How many of you know there's a baptism of fire, as the Bible says? And immediately when the Holy Ghost quickened that to me, he quickened this verse to me, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Turn there. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. If you're there, say amen. Ooh, 1, 2. <laughs> Hallelujah. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, he's talking to Christians, by the mercies of God that, listen, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, meaning set apart from the world, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It says that to give your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your, this jumped out at me, reasonable service. After the Lord showed me that one thing, he said this to me. He said, most of my people haven't even gotten to the reasonable, stir, uh, reasonable service stage in their walk with me. That cut to my heart. He said, my people, most of my people haven't even got to the reasonable service part in their walk with me. As I said earlier, just as God lit the bush on fire to get Moses', Moses attention, I believe the Lord gave me this message to share with us is a burning bush this morning. He's trying to get us to get our eyes off the world and back on him. He's trying to get us to stop from going on our own course and start going his way. He desires and longs for our friendship. The question is, do you long for his? Are you willing to put yourself, your goals on the altar this morning? Are you willing to separate yourself from the junk of this world so you can be a friend of God. Let's stand in this place this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. A friend of God. I'm talking about being a friend of God. Not an acquaintance. But a friend. About knowing him intimately. He said, if my people would lay themselves, their desires upon the altar... My fire will come upon them like never before in a greater dimension.
Now, maybe there's some in here today. You haven't even got to the starting point of your Christian walk. You've never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. You don't know how much time you have on this earth. And I'll tell you right now, you don't want to take your last breath without Jesus, Lord of your life. The Bible says there is a real place called hell and the lake of fire. It says those who do not receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that's the only destination. It's hell, the lake of fire. If you want to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life this morning, you never have, you never, I want you to come down to this altar over here to the right, and I want to personally pray with you to take that amazing step in your life, the starting point of a new adventure, knowing that your sins are washed away in the blood of Jesus Christ, and you're made a new creature in Christ. Now, maybe there's some in here, you've fallen away from the Lord, you've been a Christian for a long time, but your actions haven't been lining up with your words, and you want to rededicate your life to the Lord. I want to pray with you to rededicate your life to the Lord. If that's you, I want you to come down over to your right, over here on the altar. Maybe you've never received the Holy Spirit baptism. The Bible says there is a second experience. In fact, the Apostle Paul, after his experience on the road to Damascus, when he received Jesus, Ananias came and laid his hand on him. He said that you might receive the Holy Ghost. Paul came into, into the path of some disciples, it says in Acts 19, and asked them, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Oh, there's a second experience, they said. If you never received the Holy Spirit baptism, what's the purpose? Acts 1-8, to re receive power to be a witness for Jesus Christ. I want you to come down. I want to lay hands on you to re receive the Holy Spirit baptism. Maybe you need a healing in your body. Maybe you need a miracle in your life. Maybe you just need someone to come into agreement with. You just need, I want you to come down. And if you, for the rest of you, if you're ready, to lay yourself on the altar, your goals, your desires, and you just want to come up here and you want to make a declaration, I want you to come up to this altar and seek the Lord for yourself and make that commitment for yourself. Do you want the fire of the Holy Ghost in a greater dimension? He's looking for you to lay yourself up as an offering this morning. I'm opening it up. Come on down.
sacrifice. It's a sacrifice he's looking for. Not something. It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something. But the return is well worth the cost. Amen. some in here who are feeling the tug, the unction of the Holy Ghost to come down here. You need to obey that unction from the Holy Ghost. Take that step. No one cares here what... This is a place of freedom right now. This is a place of freedom. We don't care what other people think. Amen. We have an audience of one. That's the Lord. those people who have come down to this altar. Lord, those individuals, Lord God, who are even at their seats, Lord God, who are putting things on the altar right now. I pray that the fire of the Holy Ghost would come upon them like come up before, Father God. That a fresh anointing would be loosed upon them. I come against every stronghold, every bondage that the enemy would put upon you. I bind it and command it to be loosed right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord God, I pray that you would consume that sacrifice. Hallelujah. That you would purify us, Father God, to be used for your glory. Not the world's glory, but your glory. In the name of Jesus.
Thank you for the fresh fire that's coming upon each one right now, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Yes. Some of us just need to learn how to be undignified, as this song says. Some of us come to church and we're too dignified. Amen. I want to hear a shout in this place. Shout to the Lord. Hallelujah. Lift your hands to the Lord right now. It's okay to have fun in church. For goodness sakes, the Bible says laughter is like medicine. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. Glory to God. 
dignified. Hallelujah. Oh, we got to get rid of our religious traditions that aren't even in the word. They're not even word-based. I'm so tired of religious babble and that's not even in the word. Amen? Too many people think they come to church in a funeral setting. Glory to God. We serve a risen Savior. Amen? Well, glory to God. Woo! Come Wednesday night, we have our, uh, our 12-week Bible study starting up the video series with John Bevere. Uh, oh, make sure you get your CDs. If you want to request a CD of today's service or any other service, it's on the back table. And uh, healing service got coming up. We got good things. We got a community warfare prayer meeting with the Big Rapids Assembly of God. We're going to have it here May 19th on a Friday. Uh, so we got some things coming up. Be praying about the building project as we look for land, property, and all that good stuff. We have a vision, and we're taking it forward in Jesus' name. Amen? Yeah. We're not going to be in, is stuck in one location. We're going out. We're going out outside of the four walls. Amen? Right. Well, thank you for coming today, visitors. Fill out a visitor's card. Hand it to me or, or someone in the church. That would be great. And you guys have a blessed week, and have fun. It's okay to laugh. Amen? God bless you. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.